Obesity is a significant problem that faces many patient populations, and today we will be discussing how obesity particularly affects the pregnant patient. This is Reach MD, and I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, and with me today is Dr. Patrice Basanta Henry, a physician at Atlanta Maternal Fetal Medicine, an affiliate of Mednax National Medical Group. Dr. Basanta Henry is board certified in both obstetrics and gynecology and maternal fetal medicine, and she also holds a Master of Health Science degree from Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Basanta Henry's clinical interests include intrauterine growth restriction and endocrine disorders in pregnancy. She has published and presented research on the impact of chronic stress on the fetus. Dr. Basanta Henry, welcome to ReachMD. It's my pleasure to be here with you today, Dr. Allen. Thank you for the invitation. Dr. Henry, can you tell me a little bit more about Mednex National Medical Group and your role within the company? So Mednex is a national medical group that's comprised of some of the nation's leading providers of neonatal anesthesia, maternal fetal, as well as pediatric physician subspecialty services. As a Mednax provider, one of our goals is to reshape the delivery of healthcare within our specialty and subspecialties using evidence-based tools, continuous quality initiatives, and clinical research, and that's all in an effort to enhance patient outcome and provide high-quality, cost-effective care. What makes Mednax unique is that we work in tandem with some business professionals who manage the business aspect of our national group, and that allows us as providers to focus exclusively on the clinical and research aspects of healthcare. And your particular role is that you are a maternal fetal medicine specialist, correct? That is correct. So having said that, let's focus our discussion today on obesity in the pregnant patient. Can we start by talking about the magnitude of obesity epidemic in the pregnant population? So we all know that obesity is a major public health issue. It's predicted that over the next 20 years, obesity will become the number one health problem in the United States. And as these rates rise, it's thought that obesity in itself will be the cause of as much preventable disease and death as cigarette smoking. And despite knowing the magnitude of the problem, the World Health Organization points out that obesity remains one of the most neglected medical problems. If you look specifically at the pregnant population, approximately half of pregnant patients are going to be either overweight or obese. Clearly, this is poised to be the number one medical problem that affects a pregnant woman. We need to be aware of the implications of obesity in pregnancy, and we also need to be educated about how to provide appropriate level of care to these patients as we have the potential not only to impact maternal health, but also the health of her offspring. Dr. Basanta-Henry, are there any specific physiologic or anatomic changes that occur in the obese pregnant patient? There certainly are. So we know that there are a number of physiologic and anatomic changes that occur specifically during pregnancy, but these changes are going to be exaggerated in these patients. For example, if you were to look at the cardiovascular system, there's going to be increased blood volume, increased heart rate, and a decreased vascular resistance. And those are all changes that the body makes to facilitate blood flow to the gravid uterus 
and to facilitate oxygen transfer between the mom and the fetus. But then when you look at the obese patient, they have an increased body mass. And with that is there's an increased demand for oxygen, there's increased cardiac output, larger stroke volumes, and decreased vascular resistance with increased cardiac output. Altogether, that increased demand on the cardiac system to make accommodations for both pregnancy and obesity is going to put the patient at significant risk for cardiac decompensation, which is why we're going to see increased levels of cardiac disease in these patients. If you were to look at another system within the body, if we were to look at the endocrine system, adipose tissue acts as an endocrine gland, and that's going to produce leptin and adiponectin. Leptin is also going to be produced by the placenta and fetal adipose tissue. So in the obese patient, the levels are going to be markedly increased, and that results in increased insulin resistance, which places the patient at risk for diabetes. Not only is this leptin associated with insulin resistance, but there are also studies that show that fetuses that are exposed to elevated leptin are going to have higher birth weight, and that in turn puts them at risk for things like childhood diabetes and obesity. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Reach MD, and I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, and here with me today, it is my pleasure to have Dr. Patrice Basanta-Henry. Dr. Henry, we were discussing the particular problem of obesity in the pregnant patient. Can you touch on what type of maternal and or fetal complications should we be concerned about in this particular patient population? There's a list of complications that occur in the obese patient. It's a pretty long one. The higher the patient's BMI, the higher the chance of these complications. So on the mom side, if you were to look at maternal complications, these patients are at increased risk for hypertensive disorders, such as chronic hypertension and preeclampsia. They're more likely to be diabetics, to suffer thromboembolic events, and have respiratory problems. One of the potential implications that kind of gets swept under the rug in this population is their risk for depression and eating disorders. There are fetal complications, these women are more likely to suffer from spontaneous abortion. Their fetuses are at increased risk for anomalies such as heart defects and spinal defects. They're more likely to be born preterm, either spontaneously or at indicated preterm birth. They suffer higher rates of intrauterine fetal demise. Their infants are more likely to be macrosomic or delivered post-term. As we move into the antepartum and intrapartum period, complications that we see there or setbacks that we see there, that there are lower rates of accuracy of ultrasound in the detection of the anomalies. You can't have procedural difficulties. Leopold maneuvers and cervical exams are less likely to be accurate. You could have equipment difficulties, such as having trouble interpreting your fetal heart rate because the NST machine isn't accurate in these patients beds and scales that are unable to accommodate the patient. They're more likely to have prolonged labor where you have increased use of pitocin that places the patient at risk for postpartum hemorrhage. And then these patients are also at risk for anesthesia complications. In the obese patient, we like to encourage the use of regional anesthesia. However, the process could be technically difficult because of obscured landmarks, 
They may have excess body tissue, and it's very difficult to position these patients. In cases of an emergency, when you have to use general anesthesia, then you worry about intubation and trouble intubating the patient due to excess tissue and swelling, as well as respiratory events that are due to a failed or difficult intubation. In these patients, when cesarean deliveries have to be performed, those tend to be more complicated. The patients that increase risk for excessive blood loss, there are going to be prolonged operative times, usually more than two hours. These patients are likely to have wound infections as well as endometritis. As I had mentioned, after surgery, these patients are at risk for thromboembolic events. And then if you look specifically at the baby, with them having increased rates of macrosomia, these infants are more likely to have birth injury. They have lower APGAR scores. They tend to have hypoglycemia and need to be admitted to the NICU. And in the long run, have increased rates of childhood obesity and diabetes. This is a significant problem, and it's timely that we're speaking about this. So, Dr. Basanta Henry, you trained at Emory University School of Medicine for both your residency and also for your fellowship. I'm going to rely on your expert advice to tell us how we should approach the management of these patients in pregnancy. So, pregnancy happens to be the period in the woman's life where she's most motivated to be healthy. And as caregivers, you want to monopolize on that opportunity to improve both the health of baby and mom. So at her initial visit, once her BMI is calculated, you want to have a discussion with her about not only recommended weight gain, but the potential complications for pregnancy. And you want to review those guidelines periodically throughout the pregnancy. In addition to that discussion, you want to use that time to assess the patient's feelings about her weight and any health or pregnancy concerns that she may have surrounding the issue. You know, with the stigma that's associated with discussing a person's weight, it may be that your discussion with her during that initial visit is the first discussion of its kind, especially in the younger patient who's otherwise healthy and may not have sought health care prior to pregnancy. Once this discussion has taken place, you want to perform a risk assessment. So you want to assess your patient's blood pressure using the correct size cuff obtain a fasting lipid profile, as well as a fasting blood sugar, and check her thyroid function. If you suspect there may be underlying cardiovascular disease, you could order an EKG as well as an echo and get cardiology involved. And likewise, if you're worried about pulmonary disease, you want to get a pulmonologist involved. You want to perform first trimester screening for diabetes, obtain baseline preeclampsia labs, and preeclampsia labs being defined as a 24-hour urine collection, a platelet count, a creatinine level, as well as liver function. You want to make sure you have an ultrasound that dates the pregnancy early because ultrasound becomes less accurate as the pregnancy progresses. And then you want to arrange any additional counseling and monitoring that's regarding their diet, exercise, and weight gain. Most obstetricians are not specialists in this area, and sometimes it's good to consider a weight loss specialist so that you can optimize postpartum weight loss as well. In the second trimester, we would recommend initiation of low-dose aspirin, so that's 81 milligrams once a day starting in the second trimester, and that's going to help with the prevention of preeclampsia. Once we get to around 18 to 20 weeks, we want to do a detailed anatomic survey remembering to counsel our patient that those images may be difficult to interpret because of her body habitus 
as well as we may miss anomalies because of her body habitus. In the third trimester, you can consider doing antenatal testing if the patient has comorbidities such as diabetes or hypertension. Obesity itself is not necessarily an indication for antenatal testing. As the third trimester progresses, you can consider doing an anesthesia consultation. And then for your really morbidly obese patients, you want to ensure that the hospital has appropriate resources that are available for her delivery. So make sure that your hospital beds and operating room tables can accommodate her. You want to go ahead and pre-order any surgical instruments that may be needed. Then if your patient has to undergo a C-section, there are surgical techniques that may need to be modified. So you can consider doing things like taping her panel to allow visualization of the lower abdomen, or you may want to perform a supra-umbilical incision. If her subcutaneous layer is greater than two centimeters, we recommend closing that layer. And consider also placing subcutaneous strains to prevent postpartum wound infection. And then for those patients, you also want to assure that you've given them the appropriate dose of prophylactic antibiotics for their weight. Once they have delivered, you can consider doing mechanical or pharmacologic thromboprophylaxis to prevent thromboembolic events. You want to encourage breastfeeding as well as discuss birth control. In the obese patient, it's actually been shown that intrauterine contraception offers a safe and effective method that may be actually superior to oral contraceptives. And the best time to have that discussion is in the postpartum period. You want to go ahead and initiate it prior to the patient going home. Thank you for that, Dr. Patrice Basanta-Henry. Let's switch this up a little bit. I'd actually like to discuss briefly about the pregnant patient who has undergone bariatric surgery for the management of their obesity. Can you discuss a little bit further how bariatric surgery and the sequelae of that affects their pregnancy outcome? So this is a really unique patient subset of the obese population. And the number of people that fall into that subset are actually increasing because the rates of bariatric surgery have increased so drastically. In the United States, there's been an over 800% increase in the number of these procedures being performed. The majority of those patients are going to be reproductive age females. So these are our patients. Medically, those patients do really well after their procedure. One of the things that happens is that they're going to have improved fertility during their weight loss period. So these women that were previously had difficulties with fertility are now getting pregnant without any additional intervention. They show up in our office. Of note, once they do become pregnant, the prognosis of their pregnancy actually depends on their BMI at the time of conception and not at their BMI prior to their surgery. It also is going to depend on any existing comorbidities. Overall, these patients are less likely to have pregnancies that are complicated by hypertension or diabetes or macrosomia. So they do better than their obese counterparts. That being said, there are some special considerations for these patients that are post-op from their bariatric surgery. You want them to continue to see their surgeon throughout the pregnancy because in some cases, patients who have had gastric banding, the bands may need to be loosened or removed. You want to make sure that you screen for nutrient deficiencies and provide appropriate supplementation. You always want to involve a nutritionist because their dietary requirements are going to be completely different from other gravitas 
especially when they've undergone the malabsorptive type of procedures. You want to employ different methods of gestational diabetes screening. So many bypass patients actually develop dumping syndrome when they have high caloric intake. So these patients can't tolerate a glucose tolerance test, but you can assess for gestational diabetes using just periodic fasting and postprandial glucose monitoring. Then if your patients are on any kind of medication, you want to consider that absorption of that medication is going to be unreliable or unpredictable. So if it's appropriate, you want to obtain drug levels to make sure that you're at the therapeutic level for that medication. The other thing you want to do is thoroughly evaluate any kind of complaints of nausea, vomiting, or abdominal pain, because these are patients who've undergone abdominal procedures and are at risk for post-op complications such as bowel obstruction or bound erosion. Okay, so we have a patient who comes in and she's obese and she wants to be pregnant, Dr. Basanta Henry. Can you tell me uh, what points need to be discussed and stressed with this patient with regards to her preconception counseling? So a preconception visit is a doctor's dream come true when they do happen. We usually don't see patients until they're pregnant. So if and when these patients present for a preconception visit, it may actually be your single most important healthcare visit in the context of affecting the outcome of the pregnancy. Firstly, because the patient's motivated. She wants to be pregnant and she wants to do everything to assure a good outcome. And then secondly, it provides us the opportunity to screen for comorbidities and begin treatment for those comorbidities. It allows initiation of weight reduction programs so we can do diet, exercise, and behavior modification. And we know that when we initiate these prior to pregnancy, they're more likely to be continued not only into pregnancy but into the postpartum period, and that has a huge impact on her overall health outcome. And then if you have patients who are willing to delay pregnancy, you could consider pharmacotherapy or bariatric surgery if they meet the criteria. And then for these patients, in addition to discussing their obesity-related issues, you never want to forget some of the basics of preconception care, such as beginning their prenatal vitamins and folic acid supplementation. And then you also want to encourage them to discontinue any possible teratogens cigarette smoking, as well as alcohol use. Dr. Basanta Henry, uh, briefly, we are nearing the end of our interview. Is there any additional information that you'd like our ReachMD listeners to know about the care of the obese pregnant patient? No, I think we have thoroughly covered the topic. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Patrice Basanta Henry, for joining us today. Dr. Basanta Henry, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit reachmd.com. We encourage you to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you again for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.